Hi, it's Bob from Royal Spa. Soaking in a hot tub full of Epsom salts is the absolute best way to minimize everyday aches and pains. And we know all about Epsom salts at Royal Spa. Royal Spa hot tubs are the only hot tubs on the market that can safely and effectively use Epsom salts. Made right here in Indiana, Royal Spa hot tubs are the highest quality hot tubs on the market. Visit any one of our three Indianapolis locations or visit royalspa.com. Ah, Royal Spa. I'm Brian No in for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook. Pleased to welcome in Don Fisher, voice of the IU Hoosiers. You know, these stupid questions come to my head from time to time, Fish. And I, I apologize, but do you like fish? Are you a big fish eater? <laughs> well, uh, I do like fish if it's fresh, obviously. Um, I'm, not a, I'm not a sushi guy, but I definitely, if I go any place on the West Coast, East Coast, Gulf Coast, wherever those kinds of places are, I always eat fish and I eat a lot of it. So, yeah, I like fish. I, just, I like it fresh. And there is a place in Greenwood where we do shop every now and then that has really good fresh fish, just like Coney Jack's up on the north side. See, I'm interested in this. Uh, one more as I dig just a slightly bit deeper. What's your favorite kind of fish? Are you a catfish guy, a little perch? How do you get down? Well, uh, back in the day when I was a kid, the only fish, so, because it was a white fish and flaky and all that kind of stuff. So I love perch at that point in time, but I haven't. I don't even know if anybody makes perch anymore. <laughs> I haven't heard of perch in a long time. But my, my, uh, any kind of a white flaky fish, I love that kind of stuff. That's awesome, man. Well, we'll get into the season here momentarily, but shift into IU hoops. I just want to start with Bob Knight. Like, what are your thoughts about him passing away, and what did Bob, Bob Knight mean to you when you've called so many of the games that he was coaching at IU? Well, the first thing I would say is it's a blessing that he's gone in the sense that his quality of life at the end of his life was not very good at all. In fact, uh, it's a blessing to the family. Uh, I feel much better for Karen and Pat and the rest of the family in regard to what they had to deal with over the last several months of this of, of his of his life. Um, but from a perspective of Bob Knight, the basketball coach. Uh, I have always said this, and, and I've never wavered in it, that Bob Knight's the best college basketball coach in the history of the game. And that's my thinking process. But I think there are a lot of other people that I that would agree with me. He, he was such a genius when it came to college basketball. He saw basketball in a different lens than what we uh, normal human beings see it in. Uh, yes, he was controversial, and there were all kinds of things at the end that were not good when he was in Indiana. But at the same time, from just a pure basketball standpoint, there's nobody ever done it better than he. And uh, we're going to all miss him because of that. And, of course, the historical performance that he had at Indiana University uh, in the entire state and the hold he had on this entire state back when he was coaching was just unbelievable. And without doubt, we're all going to miss him. Just the historical presence of Bob Knight is something, at least at this point in time, that we can all still enjoy. Don, this feels like a Captain Obvious question and answer, but sometimes the obvious answer isn't the one that the person that was a part of the moment picks. So I'm curious for you, your favorite call from the night era, is it Keith Smart, or is there another one in there that tops it for you? Well, obviously the Smart call was uh, was uh, probably one of my favorites without question. I, I can't argue that there weren't a lot of 
really good calls during those years that Coach Knight uh, had his teams at the top of the heap. But uh, my favorite, of course, is the one that was my very first one in, in, in the essence of, uh, of what it meant was the first national championship in that last minute and a half, two minutes of the ball game. But Coach Knight was taking those players out of the ball game one at a time, basically, uh, and they were jumping up and down and just absolutely going crazy because you never saw that out of those kids during the season. Those guys were business, all business, all the time. Um, and at least from the standpoint of us as the public looking inside or looking from the outside. And uh, I just loved it for those players and the emotion that they showed at that point in time. And I'm I'm not ashamed to tell you that I had tears coming down my cheeks that day that they won the national championship as they were going through that last two minutes. He's Don Fisher, voice of the IU Hoosiers, joining us here on The Fan. Do you ever have a call that you hated, Fish? Where you're like, you tripped over your words or you said something too loud or whatever. Like, you just didn't like it? You're, you're asking me for a specific, and there is no specific, because I think about out of the, what, 50,000 or, or 100,000 calls that I've had, about 999,000 of those 100,000 were not very good, in my opinion. <laughs> So Keith Smart was the only one you liked? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> no, not the only one. But, again, you got to take it into perspective here. If there's been 100,000 calls, you know that there were a few in there that I enjoyed. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt about that. How about uh, this season's IU Hoosiers? They tip it off uh, tomorrow night against Florida Gulf Coast. What do you think? And you're going to hear this all the time, man. I'm sorry it's like a layup question, but I'm curious what you say. What do you think the realistic ceiling is for the Hoosiers this season? Well, I know that there's a high ceiling, um, but the question is, will they reach it? Um, This is a team that's got six new faces on it uh, and lost most of what they had from a scoring perspective a year ago. Uh, Xavier Johnson, of course, and Trey Galloway. Johnson didn't play much last year. That's why he got the, the medical redshirt to play again this season. Uh, Galloway, of course, was uh, he didn't shoot it a ton, but he was really good when he did. Um, but the rest of these guys are all new to the, to the situation that they're in for the most part. Obviously, Malik Renew's not, but you get my point here is they've got so many new faces out there. They're all they're trying to get a chemistry uh, implanted. They're trying to uh, find out whose strengths and weaknesses that who has the strengths and who's got the the, the lesser weaknesses. That type of thing. So uh, you know it's a process, and you go through the process, and that's why I never predicted or I try not to predict because I think there are too many things that can happen with injuries, uh, with guys not performing up to expectations, or guys going beyond what expectations are of them. So it's really it's it's a shot in the dark to say something at this point, but I do think this team has a high ceiling. I think they've got really good athletes. They're longer than we've had in Indiana, and sometime I'm talking about their their height and their and their length, uh, and so how they can go about things. And we're going to see a little bit different look this year because there's no longer a Trace Jackson Davis to feed the ball to. So it's going to be interesting to see how they coalesce, how they. Uh, become a team, so to speak. And uh, that's what Mike's working on right now here at the early part of the year. Voice of Hoosiers, Don Fisher, taking some time with us here on Query and Company. Don, basketball season has arrived. I- I'm excited. I'm thrilled. I'm ready for another fun season of IU basketball. But 
I have to ask this question, and I do mean it in full sincerity. Did IU football, despite Wisconsin being shorthanded, get up off the mat on Saturday? And what I mean by that is you look at the rest of the schedule, and somehow, despite everything that's gone on this year, a path to bowl eligibility is now in front of them. Are, are they up off the mat? Is there real hope there? Or am I getting hyped up about nothing? Well, I hope you're not getting hyped up about nothing because the last two weeks, and, and they gave me hope against Penn State uh, two weeks ago. They played really well against the uh, Nittany Lions. They had a chance, honestly, to go ahead. At least they went. They did tie the ball game late with about five minutes to go. Um, when I thought they might have, you know, really been more aggressive and going for a touchdown, but they settled for the tie at that point, figuring that they were going to get the ball back at some juncture. It didn't work out. They ended up losing the game. But I was heightened by the fact that the defense played really well throughout that ball game for the most part, with the exception of a couple of plays. And the same thing happened this past week. I thought defensively, that's the reason they beat Wisconsin, because the defense shut down what Wisconsin was trying to do offensively. And granted, Wisconsin was a little bit shy and with the starting quarterback who'd been gone for a week or two already prior to Indiana playing them. So they were going shorthanded in that spot, and then their best running back went out in the previous week prior to the Indiana ball game. He wasn't available, and one of their top receivers at Chibre DK, he was not available either. So they were missing three really important pieces to their offense, but I still like what I saw from the defensive unit in this ball game. They played hard. They didn't make mistakes like they had previously. And they saved the game for Indiana because if you looked at the stats at the end of the contest, Indiana had only 36 yards of offense in the final half of that ball game. Now that's incredible when you consider that Indiana held them to a 17 to a 14 point total, and one of those touchdowns was in the first half. The other was in the beginning of the second half, and from that point forward, Indiana held them out of the end zone. I just thought defensively, Indiana has made some big strides over the last two weeks. I think Brendan Soresby has also made strides in his fourth uh, start of the year. I didn't think the offensive line did a great job in that matchup against Wisconsin, especially in the second half. I think they did early, but in the second half, not so much. So I'm just, right now, I don't know what to think. All I can tell you is it looks like on paper that they have three winnable games uh, at the end of the season here if they play up to their capability. And if they do that, of course, they got to start with Illinois this coming Saturday, who also won a game that a lot of people didn't think they could win and came back at the end and did it without their star quarterback and have a guy from Ball State who transferred into Illinois win the ball game for them with his performance at the quarterback position. I think it's going to be a huge challenge for Indiana, but I do think that there's new confidence and a new belief amongst the team itself, and hopefully that could transfer over into the fan base, especially if they win this coming weekend. You know, I want to circle back to the uh, IU Hoosiers basketball team. And I was just thinking about, you mentioned this with uh, Jimmy asked you about Trace Jackson Davis. You think about Jalen Hood Shafino. Just replacing impact players, right? How would you compare what the Hoosiers have to do this season to what the Hoosiers have had to do in previous seasons where it's a huge challenge to replace impact players like that? How would you compare this season's challenge to other challenges IU has had to face? Well, 
now you're asking me to think about stuff in the past, and you know that my memory banks are not <laughs> nearly inspiring like they used to. Um, but it, it's always a challenge. But here's the thing. I mean, with Trace Jackson Davis in the lineup, Indiana basically played one way. With, with Trace being gone and with the influx of players that Mike has brought in this year, the six guys, you could see that it's going to be a different look to this basketball team. And it's not going to be just going inside all the time, picking rolls and those kinds of things. It's going to open up the game for other players. And they've got some kids in this team that I think could shoot the three, uh, and Baco being one of them. Where the seven-foot guy from Oregon knocking in two threes against the team that we played against this past week at Marion. Uh, and I'm not saying that that's going to be the case all the time. And then Malik Renew knocking in a three. I mean, look, these guys are not your normal three-point shooters, and yet they're knocking down three-point shots that will spread the floor like nothing we've seen previously because you could sit there against Indiana previously and not worry about the three-point shot hardly at all and now you're going to have to play for it. And I think that really helps this ball club. So uh, I, I think the sky is the limit for this team, but it's a matter of how they coalesce into a, into a team itself and play together and figure each other out and obviously communicate because the, probably the one, oh, the one thing that's overlooked more than anything else on a basketball court is the communication between the players themselves because that is such a critical factor, both offensively and defensively. And not many people think about that, but it's a huge factor. Well, hey, Don, we really appreciate your time today. Love talking hoops, football with you, and a little fish as well. I couldn't help but ask you, the, the intro is like, fish. And in my head, I'm like, does he even <laughs> like fish? I had to know. But thanks for rolling with the punches there, Don. <laughs> not, not a problem. Here's, here's my only thought today, guys. I feel bad for Jake Query, who's in Europe, and I know he had planned for Coach Knight's passing for some time, and that material, by the time he gets back on the air, is going to be down the toilet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, man, the struggles in radio are real, Don. That's how it goes sometimes. Don, you know? it's, been, it's been eating at him for sure. I would like to think there's some solace in him being in Europe and getting to see all the sights and sound over there. Hopefully it's made it a little easier on him. <laughs> well, let's hope so, because if it hasn't, it's going to be a rotten vacation. <laughs> well, hey, Fish, uh, good spending some time with you, man. Uh, have a good call tomorrow night. We'll catch you soon. Thanks for having me, guys. There he is, Don Fisher, voice of the IU Hoosiers. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. I'm Brian Noen for Jake. He's Jimmy Cook here on The Fan. Please welcome in Mike Chappell, Colts beat writer. For CBS Four and Fox Fifty Nine. Uh, good afternoon, chap. How are things? And uh, what do you think about the Colts' win yesterday? Well, any any win is great, and it's funny how you. It's all about Kenny Moore and how well the defense played against a really really bad offense, and then the offense didn't play well. But uh, you know, you look around the league and you win, and then you go on to the next game and. 
So, you know, it's that, that's all I do. It, it's a bottom line business. Did they, should they have played better? Sure. But they did what they had to do, and that's that's what you do each week. Chap, are we at a point where, and I already did this today on air, and in fact I did it earlier in the season too, but are we at a point where all the criticism, any of it, and I gave some at the time towards the signing of Matt Gay has officially been put to bed? Yeah, and I, I, I just never understood it at the time. It's not like they signed a, you know, a, a receiver for twenty million dollars a year. It was a, it was a kicker for what was it, five million dollars a year, and all that stuff. And in, in, in the realm of, of, of building your roster, you know, so what? I mean, it's it's not a big deal. This was going to be an offense or a team that was going to need points wherever they could get them. And he's just week after week shown that this is why you invest that in that position. You don't worry about it. You know, they beat Baltimore in Baltimore, which now everybody says that's the best team in the league, and they might be because of that game. You know, Chap, I think there's a spectrum, and I'll label it the Steelers and Saban. Right where if you look at the Steelers this year, they're winning ugly. They've been outgained in every game, but they're winning. They're five and three, and that's great. So you could look at it and be like, I don't care how ugly it is, as long as you win. Then I think about Nick Saban. There are times where he's interviewed after a win, and he sounds like they got blown out by fifty-five. You know what I mean? Because he knows that's not going to be good enough to really get anywhere noteworthy. So. Which end of the spectrum do you happen to be on more times than not as it relates to the Colts, where you say, it's got to be better, or, hey, man, I don't care how ugly it is, they won? Well, the, the problem is they, they've, and I'm not breaking ground here, they, they've just, they, they, I think they're going to tease us most of the year mm-hmm. with, you know, because I go back to, you know, Cleveland and the Saints at home. Win those two games and look where they are. And I'm not saying that, you know, this isn't Kansas City and Miami at home. This was Cleveland and, and the Saints, and they just should have won the games. I mean, they, and it's not being homework. I think it's just looking at it and saying, I can't believe they lost those games. And see where they are, and then we'll see what happens in Germany. But if they play well, and that's that's not a given, then look where they are. And, and then you've got things in front of you that I, I don't think they can catch they could catch Jackson. I think Jackson was for real. I really do. But you just don't know as far as wild cards and all that stuff. So that's that's kind of where I'm at is, is what could have been and what still may be. I mean, they've got a lot of games to play against. I think I saw in their broadcast yesterday against the second easiest schedule the rest of the way. So it's it's but but again this is a flawed team most teams I'm going to say every team I'm not sure a lot of flaws in Philly but every team has something that you, you wish you had something more this team has a few more of that and injuries are starting to be an issue with receive with some receivers we'll see where where they all are midweek it's it's just when you look at it with it with an objective eye you think man this is where they are four and five but look where they could be and maybe should be, but that's what this season's going to be. I mean, most of the fan base was hoping for fewer wins and a higher draft pick, and that's not going to be the case. It's just not, unfortunately. So this is what they got. It's entertaining. It's just entertaining as heck. But I think you go broke trying to to bet on this team every week. 
The Dean Mike Chapel of Fox 9 and CBS 4 taking some time with us here on Query and Company. Mike, I don't feel any more confident in the Colts defensively yesterday than I did going in other than, oh, that's right, Kenny Moore's a pretty good player. And like there's they're still good players, particularly in that linebacker room, but I don't feel like, okay, I can rely on them every game now and that's going to carry them. And the reason I bring that up is because you've highlighted, despite it being a win, the offensive struggle still clearly being there. So let's go with that side of the ball. Is there areas where there can be significant growth offensively, or is this basically what they're going to be this year? Well, I, I think yesterday was a, sort of a byproduct of Shane Steichen saying, you know, internally, Carolina is not going to throw up 30 points. There is not. 20 points, probably not. So let's not do anything stupid and and threaten the game with turnovers. Uh, I think they took the approach they were going to run the ball in Carolina, whatever, however bad they've been, and they've been really bad. They weren't going to let that happen. And I was disappointed the run game wasn't better because it wasn't, it was like 2.6 a carry. Even if a team's stacking the line on you, if that's what your strength is, you should you should have better success. I was disappointed in that. They weren't going to let Minshew do anything screwy. They just weren't, and, and he wasn't very good yesterday. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know where to say. In moving forward, they're going to be better because well, but there, there's just a ceiling on where this offense can be, the way it's constructed without dragging anybody's name in it. it it's just because again, you've got they're they're not they're not really able to push the ball down the field much a lot. And yesterday was again they weren't going to do that anyway. So this they're going to need to be able to get some some more out of the run game, more consistent from the run game. We're going to see more. I think I think yesterday is how we're going to see the running backs room moving forward. What was it? Uh, JT was was quite a bit more, quite a bit more, and that's what we're going to see. But I just think that this is what this offense is. It's going to be you know maybe they end up the season. The only team to score twenty points in every game, and you're going to think really, and then you're going to think really. I mean, you know, because it, it it just doesn't seem like it. it and of course, yesterday they they did because Kenny Moore outscored uh, Carolina. Man, my wallet is uh, unhappy with the Colts running game yesterday as well, chap. My goodness, I had uh, Jonathan Taylor. I'll get into that. I won't bore you with any of that talk. But I just I look at the two games between uh, for the Colts against the Panthers and then a couple of weeks ago against the Browns. And I know it's home versus away, but you're talking about over 450 yards of total offense, 38 points against the Browns defense. And then yesterday, the Panthers haven't been able to tell anybody, no, you're not running it on us. And that's what they told the Colts throughout most of that game, especially the second half. I'm just trying to find a way to explain that. And there's nothing that makes complete sense to me. Is there anything that makes sense to you? No, they they just won the line of scrimmage. I mean, there was part of the 2.6 was, you know, in the last, in the the fourth quarter when the Colts were just running, just running the clock out. I always feel bad for the running back when it gets like that. And, you know, it's first and 10 and you're just eating clock and he knows he's getting nothing. Unless yeah. he just breaks it, he's getting nothing. But early in the game, they still, they, they weren't running the ball well. They just weren't. And that's why I say when that's your strength, when the offensive line is your strength 
even if it's going to be tough sledding, you certainly you should get you know four four and a half yards in an attempt, and they didn't. Uh, and it doesn't help that in that game they weren't really pushing the ball down the field. So it's almost like they were daring Minshew to stand there and take some shots, and they didn't. So I just think it was a game where they they weren't going to do anything, you know, to mess it up on offense. They were just going to say, okay, this is all we need to do. And I think we saw a very conservative play calling, which has not been Shane Steichen's M.O. Uh, but, again, it's just a case where you, you figure out early on what it's going to take to win a game. You make, again, you go in thinking, you know, they're awful at the run game. We're pretty good at it. We should get something. I can't tell you how many times over the course I've followed the scene where we've had those matchups and the strength hasn't worked for whatever reason. But to think you can have 198 yards – total offense, and the guy looked it up, and it's a, it's a fifth fewest hmm. uh, in, in, in the era, fewest, fewest yards in a win. Uh, they've only won five games with less than 200 yards. <laughs> so it's, it's, not, it's not the way you do things, but it, it worked for them. And, uh, and again, but the rest of the defense, God, they gave up 100 and what was it, 30 or 40 yards rushing. And that, that's disappointing. In regards to that, they miss they miss Grover Stewart. I mean, we we knew they would. They do. Uh, they miss Zaire Franklin. Uh, we knew they would, and they did. Uh, so you got two of your of your up the middle, you know, players that are not there at least for that game. So you're going to have problems. But it, it's kind of what we've seen on defense, and they, they weren't really pushed on the outside. Because because Bryce Young just isn't ready for that, and they, they just swarm the defensive front. Really won won the day, but you know when you're missing your two guys up the middle, you're you're not going to be as forceful. So you know we'll, we'll see where this goes, but they've got to play better. The encouraging thing is that they're just not facing stud quarterbacks the rest of the way. Joe Burrow, yes, yes. C.J. Stroud, apparently, apparently, yes. But beyond that, it, it shouldn't be, boy, if we're not really tight on the outside or down the middle, we're going to give up 350 yards. But they have to play better. They, they just do. And But that that's this team. It, it just is. It, that, that's who these guys are right now. It's going to be a struggle most of the time. And you just hope you don't make those glaring mistakes that cost you, because that's what costs you in close games. Mike Chappell of Fox 59 and CBS4 is our guest. Chap, we were discussing this in our opening segment. At what point moving forward with Jonathan Taylor, and Eddie brought this up as well, that Shane Steichen has been true to his word. This month back for him was going to be a slow ramp up, and you were going to see snap counts and carries increase over time. We're now at about a month since that's happened. Let's say for the sake of argument, they do increase the workload further. How long will it take over these next couple of games for us to get a clear evaluation if this is just a, a shaky year for Jonathan Taylor or the offensive line is not providing proper running lanes for him? At what point do we get an answer to that, if at all? Well, I, I think up until yesterday, he, he, he's played pretty well. I mean, the, you know, the, the explosive plays, and he was averaging whatever it was, five or four, five, four, six a game. And, you know, except for, except for the second half against the Saints, which was – that wasn't Jonathan Taylor. That, that was play calling. Uh, so I, I haven't been concerned about whether or not he's back and and that guy and it's been it's been that he's had limited usage. Uh, you know I think yesterday was usage wise 
I think that's what we see the rest of the way, really do. I think he had, was it 19 or 20 touches? And I think Moss had, I don't know what it was, I haven't got much stat sheet in front of me, six or seven, whatever it was. I think that's what it's going to be. Now, if he goes another game or two where they just can't run the ball, then we've got a problem. But I'm not concerned right yet, certainly not with him. I haven't seen I haven't seen anything from him to make me think, oh man, what's going on? Because I thought his his uh, that touchdown on the screen was pretty impressive. It was a ten or twelve yards and really decisive. Even let his blocks, you know, with, with Will Fries and, and Quentin. I, I thought he played well, but the offensive line again, uh, run blocking was was not good. I mean, two point six with, with Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss is just abysmal. You can't do that. But I, I, I don't have concerns at this point with Jonathan Taylor. It, it's just been circumstances. If, again, they go to Germany and they can't do much, and then, with again, the defenses that they've got coming up, if that's an issue, then they have an issue because they cannot throw the ball 40 times a game and win very often. They just can't. That's not Minshew's M.O. It's not uh, – what was the stat I used? He, he's 1-10 in 10 when he throws 40 passes. Well, 40 is not an absurd a number. Now, 50 is, but this is with 40. So they've got to get a lot more from the run game. I think they will. Uh, again, but in, but that's I'd rather be, if I'm the Colts or the fan base, I'd rather be picking apart this team after you beat somebody 27-13 than doing this because they, they, they let them hang around and you got beat, you know, 28-27 or whatever. So, but that's the nature of it, and I understand that, and it should be. You, know, you shouldn't say, well, boy, we're forget the fact that we didn't do this, couldn't do this, we won the game. That, that's not what they do. You know, Alec Pierce didn't have a catch. He had, like, one target. So there's a lot of things you can pick over. I would rather do constructive criticism on a victory Monday than against than, than with the Cleveland game or with the Saints game or even the Jacksonville game. No. Hey, man, well said, chap. But, hey, we appreciate your time. We'll let you run. Hope you have a good rest of the day. We'll catch you soon, chap. Thanks, guys. Thank you. There he is, Mike Chappell, Colts beat reporter for CBS 4 and Fox 59, joining us here on The Fan.